character down. Repeat, we have a character down. Dispatching CIS. CIS, the Character Investigation Service. A modern take on the classic character study. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the CIS Character Autopsy Laboratory. I'm Eric Thomas. Destiny, as defined, the events that will necessarily happen to a particular person or thing in the future, or the hidden power believed to control what will happen in the future, fate. For this particular case, I will be discussing the latter definition and its application to the very existence of the character Benjamin Sisko. This case was fascinating and led me down quite an emotional journey. After completing research on Benjamin Sisko, I feel as if I have vicariously lived out his life, felt his sorrows, reveled in his joys, shook with his apprehension, and raged with his anger. By the end of my research journey, I was genuinely saddened at its conclusion. I feel as if Benjamin and I have been on a long adventure together and the time has finally come to part ways. As previously stated, I will be discussing the impact of fate on the life of Ben Sisko. As human beings, I believe each one of us can relate to fate dealing a set of circumstances that we neither desired nor asked for. Like a rat dropped into the center of a maze, we are forced to navigate our way through the various winding, twisting, turning corridors of this existence, hoping that at the end there will be some meaningful payoff to the journey. How many of us can say, I did not ask for this life? What have I done to deserve this? Why me? For the most part, we progress on from denial to acceptance, and we move forward on our journey. This is where we meet Ben Sisko. He is a broken, sad, angry man who has been left alone to raise his son after his wife was killed in an attempted Borg invasion of Earth. Only those who have suffered such a devastating loss of someone so dearest can understand the all-consuming darkness, anger, and depression that follows. In the midst of coping with this loss, Sisko is given a quiet post at the Utopia Planitiaria Fleet Yards. Ben would design the prototype Defiant-class starship. This probably served as a much-needed coping mechanism. Though the Defiant project was later abandoned, Sisko's prototype Defiant would play a major role in the coming war with the Dominion. Fascinating thought. This post was probably given to Ben so that he could have a relatively quiet, secure place to mourn his wife and recover, but he would also design the very ship that would help turn the tide of the Dominion War. Fate has a funny way of working. Later, Commander Sisko is given command of the recently abandoned and stripped space station, Terog Nor. Left behind when an aggressive occupation force of aliens known as the Kardashians are expelled from the planet called Bajor. Terok Nor and Bajor are in total ruin, and it is made abundantly clear that the Bajorans have no desire for the Federation to move in, even if it is to lend a helping hand to rebuild and protect the frail population of Bajor. Naturally, Benjamin Sisko is completely against the idea of taking this post. He almost resigns from Starfleet. Ben is fresh off the tragic death of his wife and is in no mood 
and possibly ill-equipped for the demands of such an assignment. Then there's the added pressure of being caught in between Starfleet, who insist to the Bajorans that they are not just another occupation force, and the war-torn Bajorans, who very plainly tell Benjamin that he and his Federation are adamantly not wanted around. What must it be like to be Benjamin Sisko at this point? I would imagine it feels as if one were laying on the ground, deeply wounded, then one person hastily picks you up and then begins to shove you to get back to work, while another person kicks and beats you down. I have to think, what was the Federation brass thinking by giving Ben this assignment? No need to kick a man when he's down. On the brink of Benjamin giving up before his great journey even began, fate steps in in the form of the Bajoran gods known as the Prophets. Not too far from Bajor, a wormhole opens up. It is soon discovered that this wormhole is a stable passageway to the distant Gamma Quadrant. Even more, this wormhole is so much more to the Bajoran people. They call it the Celestial Temple, home of the Prophets. Ben Sisko would travel into this wormhole and come face to face with these Prophets, who we learn are a group of non-corporeal alien beings who exist outside time and space. Ben learns that these prophets have an intimate connection with the Bajoran people. Initially, these beings view Ben as a threat that must be extinguished, but they are also fascinated by this singular being who seems to exist in one moment of time. Ben initially doesn't understand, but then the prophets bring back Sisko to the time of his wife's death, asking Sisko, why do you live here? Ben realizes he hasn't moved on from this tragic moment in his life and that he must let go if he is to move forward on his journey. After an intense emotional encounter such as this, Ben decides he'll let his wife go. This intrigues the prophets. They let Sisko return to his space Sisko would soon receive the prestigious position of being the prophet's emissary to the Bajoran people. Yet another yoke of responsibility forced on Ben Sisko against his will, but nonetheless, the deed is done, and now he must play his part in the reconstruction of Bajor as a spiritual guide and power figure. Ben Sisko agrees to remain on Teroknor, now renamed Deep Space Nine, on temporary assignment. Part of the joy of doing a case of such extensive research is watching Benjamin Sisko grow and change as a character. This makes him feel real and relatable. In the beginning, Ben is very much a prick who wishes only to be disturbed when absolutely necessary. By the end, Ben has fully embraced Bajor with love and cares for his fellow Bajorans with deep, love and affection. For much of the first part of Ben's career at DS9, he is very much against the idea of being the emissary. Ben grudgingly performs his religious duties for the Bajoran people, but never really accepts his role. This would change after a series of events and visions from the prophets. It is only when a previous emissary arrives from the past and attempts to institute old societal systems, like a caste hierarchy, that Ben fully accepts his role as emissary 
to keep the Bajoran people free and positively progressive. Benjamin Sisko would later be set on a collision course with Kai Wynn, the spiritual leader of Bajor. She feels stepped over and insulted that the prophets would choose a human to be their emissary. Kai Wen would come to accept Ben as the emissary, but their relationship would never be a formalized friendship, more of a strained mutual respect. On a side note, I realize I'm skipping over so many finer details of Benjamin Sisko's life. I can justify this by saying I can in no way give the story of Benjamin Sisko its due love in a simple 20-minute case study. If you truly wish to dive deep into the character of Benjamin Sisko, please watch all seven seasons of DS9. I promise you, you'll be glad you did. I'm simply here to discuss the impact of fate on the life of Benjamin Sisko. In the Bajoran faith, there are the prophets and the Pa wraiths. These represent good and evil. At a point in the story, the Pa race are released into the celestial temple and the wormhole is sealed. Benjamin Sisko and the Bajoran people are cut off from the prophets as they wage their celestial war inside the wormhole. Over the course of these events, Jedzia Dax, Ben's closest friend and confidant, is killed by the Pa race. Feeling distraught and abandoned, Ben Sisko returns to Earth with his son Jake. Ben would spend three months working in his father's restaurant. This is another point in the journey of Benjamin Sisko that I think all of us can relate to. We find ourselves at a low point in our lives. We're beaten down, looking to the sky for some kind of guidance or helping hand from the divine, but the heavens are silent. We feel utterly abandoned and alone, and no one is coming to help us. Ben's father and Jake do their best to help Benjamin, but it's of little help. However, when it seems all hope is lost and Ben is on the verge of giving up, fate steps in and sees him through. The prophets appear to Benjamin in a vision and reveal to him that his mother was possessed by the prophets in order to ensure that Benjamin Sisko would be born to fulfill his role as the emissary. What a dynamic plot twist. To go from feeling alone and abandoned to the realization of being created by the gods. Ben realizes what must be done to expel the Pa race from the celestial temple. Through a great deal of mental, physical, and spiritual trial, Ben locates the sacred orb of the emissary and uses its power to reopen the wormhole and rid it of the Pa race. I'm curious to think about what this revelation would do to a man's ego. To go from being a simple commander of a space station to being birthed by the prophets to fulfill a sacred duty on their behalf. I would think it'd be quite an ego booster. But as the realization sets in, I would think that fear and wonder would also set in. Nothing in this life is free. Obligations come with privilege. What would this prestigious honor ultimately cost Benjamin Sisko? Ben inevitably breaks and has it out with the prophets. Ben argues that his life is his to live, 
Ben wants to get married and have a family, but the prophets insist that Ben's journey is for him and him alone, and to deviate from this path would only invite great sorrow. Ben defies the prophets and marries his sweetheart, Cassidy Yates. I can't say I blame him. I think we all as people want to think that we are in control of our lives and we determine the path of our existence. The story of Benjamin Sisko puts forth the notion that that is simply not true. That each of us serve a divine purpose and to venture off from that divinely inspired path for our lives will only invite pain and sorrow. I'm not going to debate the finer philosophical points of this notion. The events of the Dominion War takes a considerable toll on Benjamin Sisko. He is forced to sacrifice many of his ideals to ensure that the Federation lives to fight another day. In the film Fury, Don Collier states, Ideals are peaceful, history is violent. This point is clearly illustrated by Benjamin Sisko. Ben is a good man who believes in the founding ideals of the Federation. To watch Ben sacrifice his ideals on the altar of war is quite heartbreaking. One could say the ends justify the means, but that is a slippery slope as the ability to sacrifice personal ideals becomes easier and easier. The Dominion War does eventually turn in the Federation's favor and peace is finally declared, but an incredibly bloody cost. The war is not over for Ben Sisko. Kai Wen has come into possession of the Book of the Paw Race and she intends to release them from their fire cave prison. Ben Sisko is able to stop this from happening and destroy the book, but the conclusion of this task given to him by the prophets comes at a very heavy price. Ben finds himself in the Celestial Temple. It's not stated whether Ben's mortal life is over or whether Ben was saved from death by the prophets. However, we do see the prophesied sorrow to come. Pregnant Cassidy and Jake Sisko are left alone. Ben appears in a vision to Cassidy saying that he will return at some point. Ben explains that his work as the emissary has just begun. Then the vision ends. I'm forced to question the fairness of the prophet's determined fate for Benjamin Sisko. The prophesied sorrow does not come down on Ben. He's in the celestial temple which I can only assume is peaceful and a paradise of sorts. The sorrow is reserved for Cassidy and Jake. Cassidy knowingly defied the prophets by marrying Benjamin, but Jake is innocent, only guilty of being Ben's son. However, life is not fair. No one gets to choose the circumstances of life born into or whether to be born at all. All we can do is accept the existence that fate has handed us and make the best of it in the very limited time we have to live. It would seem that ultimately fate is unfair, but only if one operates under the assumption that one's life is one's own to live. Thank you for listening to this case study from CIS, the Character Investigation Service. I hope you enjoyed listening and that you'll return. I'm Eric Thomas. Good night.